0: Live from the bridge at the Launchpad Studios in Huntington, New York, it's Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Cardboard Memories, Clearview Long Island, the law firm of Decalator Cohen, and DePrisco, the Phoenix Tube Company, Pims Incorporated, fueling brand performance for 30 years, Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, and Soho Table Hockey. Here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a man who celebrated, will celebrate the 63rd anniversary of breaking the NHL color barrier tomorrow. And then exactly one month from tomorrow, he will have his number 22 jersey retired prior to the Bruins' February 18th game against the Devils. He's going to be only the 12th player in Bruins team history to have his sweater hung in TD Garden. It is a pleasure to welcome Hockey Hall of Famer, the man the NHL has named an award after, which recognizes the individual who has worked to make a positive impact on his or her community, culture, and society and make people better through hockey. The one, the only, NHL Hall of Famer, Willie O'Ree. Welcome, Willie. My goodness, am I all that? You're you're all that and more for sure, man. No no question about it. I've had the pleasure of meeting you, and that doesn't even describe it at all. Uh, Let's start at the beginning. Your oldest brother, Richard, um, known as Coop, was a great athlete in his own right, a regional lightweight, heavyweight boxing champ. Uh, He was a huge influence on you when it came to hockey. What did he mean
1: in terms of shaping your game? He, uh, he, he was, you know, uh, I started skating at an, at an early age of three. Um, I had a pretty good sized backyard and my uh, dad flooded it and there was an instant rink. So, you know, I was on the ice every day in the wintertime. Uh, I remember uh, skating with the, with the two uh, two bladed skates, the runners, and um, my brother helping me along. I remember pushing a chair and my, uh, my brother helping me. But then when I was able to start uh, playing organized hockey at the age of five, um my brother was very influential. He was not only my brother and my friend, but uh, he was my mentor and taught me a lot of things that I would need to, to know if I was going to choose hockey uh, as a sport and as a career. And uh, when I was 14, I decided I wanted to become a professional hockey player. And um, I asked myself what I need to do. Well, I need to stay in school and get an education. But um, at, at, th- at that time, you know, kids were uh, in my area. There was several uh, sports that you could play if you wanted to, and um, you know they were there. If you didn't want to play them, you didn't. But I have to, I have to <clears throat> always reflect back to some of the things my brother uh, told me and uh, some of the things that uh, he shared with me on the ice. And he was a defenseman. And I remember sometimes practicing against him, you know, and he'd, he'd take me into the boards and uh, good, good checks, you know. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes cares, tears would come to my eyes. And I said, brother, I says, gosh, why are you hitting me so hard? And he says, well, if you decide to get into pro hockey, he says you'll be hit a lot harder than this. <laughs> but um, things registered in the back of my mind, and they stuck with me all the years that I played. And I really, have, I really have to say that my brother was very influential on helping me get through the 21 years I played pro
0: you know and it's interesting because your road to the nhl was not easy you're actually kicked off of your high school team do you remember the incident (laughs) and and how you felt that day being kicked off that high school team
1: yeah we were we were practicing and um you know i as as learned from my brother i was i was a physical player i knew that i was going to get hit and i learned how to body check and um I was playing against um, um, uh, one of the my high school uh, players, and he was coming down the head with his high, his head down, and I just stepped into him, you know, clean body check, and he went into the boards and broke his collarbone, and his dad happened his dad happened to be the the, the coach, and he took <laughs> me aside and he says, "Well, we don't we don't like this type of play," uh, he says, I'd, "I'd rather you not uh, not come out anymore," and I said, "Fine," so I left the I left the team there and played with the senior team. The, the Fredericton Capitals, and um, played there until I left to go up to Quebec to uh, play junior hockey in 1954.
0: Amazing! You know that would have been a series of things you would have to overcome to fulfill your dream, like you said, as a 14 year old of making it in the NHL. You and you mentioned you went through Fredericton's youth ranks to Quebec's top junior league. It was there that your coach, the former New York Rangers star Phil Watson, saw your potential. Going as far as to tell you that you had the talent to become hockey's Jackie Robinson, what did yeah, that mean to you at the time, especially given the fact that you actually met Jackie Robinson?
1: Well, I met Jackie Robinson in 1949, but you know, when I, um, when I went with what and played with Phil, as a, as I said, I was a left, I was a left winger and, um, you know, I, I scored goals and I, I was an aggressive player. And so, um, when he told me that, it kind of went in one ear and out the other. All I was, all I was interested is in just uh, playing, playing hockey that year and trying to be the best hockey player I could be. But uh, I, remember, I remember what he told me. And then, um, you know, the second year I went to um, Kitchener, Ontario to play for the Kitchener-Waterloo Jr. Canucks, the farm team of the Montreal Canadiens. And the coach there told me the same thing. He says, well, he says, you have the skills and the ability to, to be your first player in the, in the NHL, your first black player. And again, it really didn't register with me, you know. But later on, when I uh, when I turned pro uh, with uh, with Quebec with Quebec Aces, Punch Emleck was the uh, was the coach, and uh, uh, I went there the uh, in 1956. I just finished my junior year, went there and play went there and played with Punch, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, he took me aside after I was playing there and told me the same thing, and then all of a sudden, I started to. It started to register with me that Jesus, if I, if I worked really hard, and I could maybe uh, break the color barrier. But, you know, I went to the Bruins training camp in 1957, um, the first time. Came back to uh, Quebec, uh, finished with the Aces. 1958, I went to the Bruins training camp again. Then I came back to Quebec and, and um, started playing. And then I got I got the initial call from the Bruins on January the 18th, 1958. To meet the Montreal Canadiens in Montreal to play two games against the Canadians Saturday night in the Montreal Forum in Montreal and then Sunday um, in Boston, in the, in the Boston Gardens.
0: Unbelievable. You know, it's interesting because you're also a very good baseball player and you, know, <laughs> um, you had an eye opening experience to racism in the United States especially in the South, when you rode a segregated bus to attend a pro baseball training tryout of the Milwaukee Braves in Georgia in 1956. What do you recall about that experience? And I remember in the great documentary about your life, you said it was when you stepped off the bus when you got home, that was the moment that it solidified you know, that you were going to be an NHL player.
1: Yeah, I said, forget about baseball. Well, mm-hmm. I was playing baseball in, in my hometown. I was playing for the Marysville Royals. And uh, I was scouted by two scouts from the Wilmokie, Milwaukee Braves minor league operation, and they said, "Mr. Ree, we'd like to invite you to training camp in um, in Waycross, Georgia." Well, soon they said Georgia. I said, nah, I says uh, I'm really not interested." They says, "Well, there's not too many black kids uh, in this area that that are getting the opportunity." And I said, "They said I think you should uh, take a little consideration and think about it." And I went home and told my mom and dad, and they said, oh, no. They said, uh, we wouldn't want you to go down south. They said, the way blacks are treated treated there. And then I went and talked with my older brother, Richard. And I says, brother, I says, I've i got this opportunity to go down to White Cross, Georgia, and try out for the Milwaukee Braves minor league operations. He said, well, how do you feel inside? How do you really feel? I said, gee, dad, dad, maybe you'd like to go down for the, the experience. He says, well, then go. So I flew it. <clears throat> pardon me, I flew into Atlanta. And I stepped off the bus and went into the terminal. And the first thing I saw in the, for the restrooms was white only and colored only. And I went into the colored restroom. And, and then I come out and I had to make reservations for a hotel. So I contacted a black cab driver out in front of the terminal. And I explained my situation. And he took me to an all-black neighborhood. Stayed there overnight. The next day I'm on the bus to for Waycross, uh, about another three-and-a-half-hour bus ride get off the bus hit in waycross was assigned a dorm with um, about seven or eight other players of color black players issued uniforms the next day started started practicing and i could hear i could hear the racial remarks from some of the white players you know but it didn't bother me it just went in one air and out the other and a week went by and i'm still there and on your dorm there's usually a list and if your name appears on this list that means you're going to be sent home so the second week into the the middle of the second week i'm still there and and then Friday, I find my name on the list. I go into the, uh, go into the office, and they said, Mr. Re, we were impressed with your play, but we think you need a little more seasoning, so we're going we're gonna to send you back back home. Well, you know, outwardly, uh, when I looked at it, I, it gave me the impression that, oh, gosh, I wasn't good enough to play, but inwardly, I was jumping for joy. I said, go uh, get, get, back to, yeah, get back to Frederick and get back, get back home. So I got on the bus and uh, naturally blacks had to ride in the back of the bus so i sit on the back of the bus and i'm five days on the bus and the only time i got off the bus was to use the restroom or grab a little bite to eat and get back on the bus and as we're rambling up to the north up north as we're getting further up north and i start moving up the bus and i'm sitting in the center of the bus and i got to Bangor mean and i'm i'm sitting right at the front of the bus another three and a half hour bus ride i arrived home in, my, in uh, my hometown of Fredericton. i stepped off the bus and i said willie Forget about baseball. Concentrate on hockey. And that's when Punch contacted me to um, come to Quebec to try out for his Quebec Aces team in 1956.
0: You, you alluded to getting that call to come up to the Bruins. And, you know, we need to put it into context because um, this was just a few short years after the Montgomery bus boycott with Rosa Parks. Even though that Jackie Robinson had broken the color line in baseball 11 years earlier, the Boston Red Sox still did not have a player of color to play for them. Uh, so, right. so walk me through getting that call and what, you know, the significance for you was for breaking that color barrier.
1: Well, you know, when I, um, when, before I went to, uh, to the Bruins, I was a Montreal Canadian fan because there were only uh, two teams in Canada, you know, back then. In the 60s, there was Toronto and Montreal, and then the other fourteens in the U.S. And uh, some of my friends were Toronto Maple Leaf fans, but I was a Montreal fan. But when I went to the Bruins training camp the first time and met Johnny Busick and Don McKinney and Bronco Horvath and, and uh, Doug moans and all those guys, I just, I just felt so at ease, and they took me under their wing, and uh, I had a good training camp, went back to Quebec, and then um, the second year, uh, you know, I got the the invite to come to their second training camp. And I went and, um, you know, I was met by uh, uh, Milk Schmidt, the coach, and Lynn Patrick, the general manager, treated me real well. Um, went back and then played again. And then all of a sudden, I, I felt that I was going to get a call. Uh, for some reason, I said, I'm I'm, I'm going to get a call. I don't know when, but I'm, I, I think I'm going to get a call. And I got the call, and when I met... Um, Lynn Patrick and and, and Milt Schmidt in, in Montreal just before uh, I went on the ice, they said, "Willie, we brought you up because we think you can add a little something to the club. You're a Bruins. Don't worry about anything else that's going on on the ice. Um, just go out and uh, play your game, and don't worry about anything else." And basically, that that made me uh, feel at ease. So they gave me um, they gave me um, the confidence that I needed, and and I went out and played. Uh, we beat Canadians three 0 We shut them up. Uh, never got any goals, no penalties, uh, no assists. But just beating Montreal in in Montreal uh, in the Montreal <laughs> form on a Saturday night. It was just it was a feat in itself.
0: So. For sure, it, it's interesting too because people don't really realize this. You know, Jackie Robinson had to deal with so much, and it's been well chronicled. And Branch Rickey thought he was the perfect man because whenever anything arose, he wanted Jackie to turn the other cheek. And you know, people don't realize that it's an awful lot easier to do that in baseball than it is in hockey. Can yeah, it's you, true. Can you tell us about that 1961 game in Chicago <laughs> against the Blackhawks <laughs> and, and yeah. what you were thinking after Eric No, you know, slammed your face with the butt end of a stick, knocking out yeah. your teeth? What were you thinking when you were sitting in the locker room? I have to imagine, you know, you might have been questioning, you know, do
1: I really need this? That's right. That, that's exactly what I thought. You know, uh, once they stitched me up and plugged my nose up and uh, I wanted to come out and, and sit on the, the bench, but uh, Mil- uh, coach Millsmith said, Willie said, these, these fans are, are becoming too violent. Um, uh, I'm fearing for your, your safety. He says, I want you to stay in the dressing room. Now this happened about six minutes into the first period, you know, and so I went in and I'm pacing back and forth, trying to listen to the store. And um, I sat, uh, I sat down and kind of just, meditated for two or three minutes. And I said, really, do you really need this? I said, you can go back home. Uh, you can play hockey back home. You know, you don't have to be put up with this. But, And then I told myself, I said, no. I said, if I leave the league, it's going to be because I don't have the skills and the ability to play anymore. I'm not going to leave it because I know there's probably going to be more incidents like this. But I says, I'm just going to go out and stick to playing hockey, work hard. And I think everything else will work out. And, and um, basically, and that's what happened. But, you know, you know, I I had several incidents in in you know in some of the ranks but i stayed focused on what i wanted to do uh, i fought a lot i fought because i had to not because i wanted to but i i never fought because of racial remarks or racial slurs you know back then none of the players wore any helmets no face shields no cages you know nothing different so i always kept my stick up to protect myself and if guys didn't want to uh, drop their gloves i fought with sticks and and you know but i i just told myself you know do whatever you need to do to to, to stay in the league and and uh, and and be an
0: answer to the team. It's amazing, Chris. After your 45 games in the NHL, you'd play in the minor leagues and other pro leagues uh, until you were 43 years old, retiring from the game in 1979. However, Mm -hmm. you get back into the game in 1996 when uh, Brent McBride, who was the newly appointed vice president of the NHL's diversity program, and Lou Varro, who actually saw you play hockey from USA Hockey, reached out to you. What has your second career in the NHL meant to
1: you? Oh, it's it's been a tremendous lot. It was a it was a second life as far as, far as I'm, I'm concerned. You know, I I played hockey. I wish I I wish I had I had the opportunity to play in the in the National Hockey League longer. But uh, you know, things have a way of working out. But um, I was I was glad that I I played with the Bruins. I uh, I love the Bruins fans. I was I was treated well uh, while I was there. Uh, when I scored my first goal there, uh, you know. Uh, against the Montreal Canadiens they gave me a two-minute standing ovation but you know coming back to the and, and you know getting getting into the league it's uh, it's it's been it's been great it's, it's been rewarding for me to be able to uh, just give back to the community and give back to the sport what the sport has given me over the 21 years that I uh, that I played I'm, I, I felt that I've been blessed really
0: and for people that don't know about his first goal, he does have a little New York tie to it as he beat uh, New York, uh, <laughs> former New York Ranger head coach, John Geek Talbert. He blew past him and then you know, scored his first goal against Charlie Hodge. Um, yes. You know, interestingly, you had this dream of playing in the NHL at age 14. You, you fulfill that dream. 16, Sixty-nine years later, you are inducted into the NHL Hall of Fame. What was that moment like for you when you got that phone call telling you that you were now in that exclusive club and as an NHL Hall of Famer?
1: Well, you know, I only played 45 games in the National Hockey League, and, and you know, I figured guys had to play uh, over 1,000 games to, you know, to get into the, the Hall of Fame. But uh, the work that I'd done uh, um, with, the, uh, uh, with the youth development and uh, the, the Hockey Is for Everyone program, uh, I guess it meant something to, uh, to the committee. Uh, And I guess um, letters and and uh, there was there's letters and emails and texts and everything sent. And um, then they took into consideration that that I was going in. But um, I was in my I was in my uh, my home. My wife was my wife was there. Um, uh, Brian McBride was there. Um, And um, the young lady that does the filming for for the uh, for the documentary, uh, Lawrence, maybe she was there. Um, my, my son-in-law was there and I, if I was going to get a call, I was going to get the call between, uh, 12 noon and, and 3 PM. So i said, we're all sitting there and I've got three or four phones lined up, uh, on the, on the bar and I'm I'm sitting there, you know, and, and then I, I got a call from a young lady that works, um, in, in New York, uh, Nerva Mallord. I, I've worked with Nerva for 20 years. She called and I said, Nerva, I can't talk to you right now. I'm expecting another call. I'll call you back. <laughs> so then the phone rang and I pick up, I pick up the phone. I says, hello. And, uh, I, at the end, at, at the end of the, at the end of the, of the, the, uh, on the, uh, the other end was, um, the, the hall of fame calling. And, uh, uh they said, uh, Willie, they said, uh, um, you're going to be inducted into the hall of fame. And I says, Oh my God. And Brian, Brian was there. And I gave my, I gave my, uh, my wife a hug and a kiss. And Brian gave me a, hugging he and Brian hadn't shed tears in over twenty five years and the tears were coming down down his face and then i i called some on some other close friends but uh it it was it was it was great to, just to to know that you know i was going to be inducted into the hall of fame and and uh be one of you know be 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 up there um and, and listed there were so many great players that uh Great players that I had the pleasure of playing with back in the 60s and, and some of the finest players that, you know, that played in the NHL.
0: It's an awesome scene in the documentary where Bryant, you know, looks at his phone and it's 11:11. 11, 11, he tells you to make a wish. Yeah. And then like 30 seconds later, the phone rings. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> given the events of this past month in Washington, where many white supremacists were part of the insurrection at the nation's mm-hmm. capital, it reminded me that during – one of the willie o'ree all-star events in Washington I think yeah. it was 1999 you were targeted by a white supremacist group yeah. and actually got threatening letters uh, it always yeah. troubles me that as far as we think we've come as a society when it comes to equality there's always these major setbacks so how troubling have the events of this past year been to you and what's the message you would want people to hear well you know
1: <clears throat> when I got well first of all when I when I got the when when i got the threat letter i thought it was a fan letter i opened i opened it up and uh, immediately when i when i saw the the contents i i closed it i called the i called the nhl they said um, send the letter back to the back to the nhl so i went sent it back and and then i got another i got another threat letter and i did the same thing uh, i didn't know it was a threat letter i sent it back but you know we're we're going we're, we're in the 21st century now and i just i just can't understand some of the things that are going on in this world today after you know um the wars that have been going on and, and uh, some of the epidemics that have been going on that we've had to we've had to face and uh, thousands of um, you know soldiers have been killed in wars and and then looking today uh, you'd think that we'd we'd learned something over the over the over the years but it just seems that um you know, there is that racism there, and uh, I think it's going to be a long time before um, before um, we do get any any type of uh, uh, learning out of it. Um, you know, I've had racial remarks directed towards me, uh, and I haven't played in the league since uh, since the 60s. And, you know, people come up to me and, uh, in stores and gas stations and um, um, malls, you know, and made a racial remark, and it's just gone in one ear and out the other um you know i don't know if they know me and or or what but uh i think you know i, I learned a lot from uh, dr martin luther king jr and, the, and you know and the, the comment that he made he says you know don't judge a person by the color of their skin but the content of their character and there's a lot of truth to that just look at the person as an individual and uh, and look towards that uh, you know what color they are and i think that um, you know, <clears throat> it's happened in, in hockey, it's happened in baseball, it's happened in soccer, soccer. but I, uh, it I really troubles me when it's happening with these boys, these young boys and girls that are coming off the ice, 10, 11, 12, 13-year-olds, the boys are coming off the ice because of racial remarks and racial slurs that have been directed towards them. Uh, I just can't understand, um, you know, why people have to have to look and make, uh, make racial remarks like that. Uh, this day and age, you know, is I think we're all trying to just live together and 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 try and uh, you know um, work together and and uh, raise a family and 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 teach teach the good things uh, uh, to to your sons and daughters.
0: Absolutely, and you've been a role model to so many, and I know that you've personally reached out to a number of young players who have gone through that and, and talked to them and said, you know, don't let it bother you, and uh, it's just amazing. The the work you've done as an ambassador for hockey. Uh, granted, they're not going to be fans at the game next month. But kind of. but what do you think your emotions are going to be? You know, <laughs> thinking back to you as a fourteen year old and just standing there as your number twenty two gets lifted to the rafters at TD you know Garden.
1: Oh God! It's uh, I hope I hope we have. Uh... Uh, I hope we uh, are able to uh, get a a turn on this uh, coronavirus thing. And I hope, you know, they find I know there's there's vaccines out now and people are getting vaccinated. But um, I hope I hope it settles down to where we can travel um, because I'd love to go. I'd love to go back to uh, TD Garden and, and, and see my. Uh, my number raised uh, raised up into the rafters. A lot, of, a lot of players tried to get me up there in the rafters <laughs> the years that I played. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, it's going to be wonderful, uh, really. Uh, I wish my mom and dad uh, were alive so that they uh, were, were able to witness it because they, they would have been so proud.
0: They'll see it somehow. You know that. Uh, yes. Willie, uh, you know, like I mentioned to you before, I do have a, a, a pretty extensive jersey collection, and I, I did tell my wife. You know, <laughs> I've met you a number of times, but then you know, I, I said, you know what, I need to get myself a Willie O'Ree Bruin jersey. So that's definitely my next purchase. I want to thank you so much for your time tonight, but more importantly, thank you for the contributions you've made to the great game of hockey, as well as being such a terrific role model and ambassador for the game. Oh,
1: thank you. Well, if you do get the Willie O'Ree jersey, you- just send it to me and I'll autograph it for you and send it back and you can, uh, you can, add, it to, you can add it to your uh, um, trophy room. That,
0: that is a deal for sure. That I will definitely take you up on it for sure. And I look forward to uh, when I'm allowed back to the, 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 the bridge at Madison Square Garden with the press because I always like when you're in attendance and, and being able to come over and say hi. So uh, I look forward to that as well. And congratulations on, on the Bruins retiring your number.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Uh stay uh, stay safe and be well. You too, for sure. Thank you.
0: The one, the right. only NHL Hall of Famer, William O'Ree.